Welcome to the Star Love Podcast. I'm Dan Beck, the Oracle in New Orleans, founder of Inner Makeup Astrology. To learn more about what I do, go to innermakeup.net. But today, as always as it's been for me lately, an embarrassment of riches, I have uh, Ariel Gutman, and she is the founder and director of Sophia Venus, bringing you know over well over 40 years of experience to astrology. And, you know, you've done a lot of work with mythology, archetypes, dreams, healing, uh, using astrology for psychological and spiritual insights. Also uh, uh, working with astrocartography, which is, you know, and you help people where to live that is most in harmony with who they are. Asteroids, nodes, Chiron, uh, and a passion for geodetics. Um, But... What we're going to be talking about today is the Venus star point. And you've really pioneered this area of astrology. Um, And you can, the website you can go to to learn more about what Ariel's done and is continuing to do is sophiavenus.com. And the book is The Venus Star Point, Getting Straight to the Heart of Your Life with Venus. And I have this book on Kindle. And I am a virgin Venus star point person, so I've been getting into it uh, recently. Um, but I highly recommend this book. It's really interesting because it's we're going to get into this, but it's different from Venus herself. Um, it's actually the the path that Venus traces in her dance with the sun. Correct? Yes. Okay. And we're gonna we're gonna get much more into that, um, but. Is that a did I say everything that you want to say about the intro? Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I'm I'm overwhelmed by all the things you said. I guess I have been through <laughs> a lot a lot of different things in 45 years, but um, I've researched. You know, I have a curious mind, uh, <laughs> and I love uh, the different aspects of astrology. Like there are about probably 200 or more (laughs) types of astrology that one can practice Mm -hmm. today. And Mm -hmm. I find that every single one of them, uh, you know, gets to the point, hits the Mm -hmm. nail on the head. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a large multifaceted crystal Mm. that whichever facet you look through, it still gets you to the whole it's mm-hmm. it, it get it all makes sense. It all connects, mm. even though they're coming from very uh, diverse places. But um, so this is another thing that's fascinated me. In my twenties, I was going, you know, from field to field to field in terms of my studies and jobs, and nothing, nothing stuck. Nothing interested me and gave me the passion I was looking for in life um, because I am a passion player Mm -hmm. and um, then I found astrology I've been with it 45 years and uh, it's been the most exciting thing to happen to my life Mm. and all those subjects you mentioned have been um, little stepping stones I guess you could say on the way to the journey of uh, still continuing to learn from the masters in our field today Mm. and to continue my studies and my research. Mm. 
Listen, I think that answers the question I was going to uh, ask you, which is how did you get into astrology? And just to dial briefly back to that, could you talk about some of those early experiences and you know, maybe even if they were tumultuous, how you're able to potentially bring them into your work that you've done with astrology? Because you know, obviously our life experiences, we bring them to the table. So do you have any sort of acute experiences? You were like, well, maybe that was difficult, but I was able to bring it you know, into the work that I, that I did, you know, in the, uh, intervening years. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had a difficult early life and, um, a teenage life and my life was really basically programmed for me to, uh, you know, growing up in the Midwest and to do what everybody did, uh, to go to college, get a degree, get a husband, have children, have, you know, 2.1 children or whatever in the, <laughs> in the two car garage and two cats in the yard and all that, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I didn't go that route. That just wasn't the way I was meant to go. And through the hardships of my early life and the struggles and the healing journey that I've been on, astrology came to me at a time when it was just the most magnificent time uh, mm. couldn't have come at any better time. Uh, but the actual way it came was interesting because I was standing on the Acropolis in Athens mm. and I was looking at this monumental palace to Athena, the goddess Athena. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was so inspired and I was filled with such an incredible energy. And uh, the person I was traveling with talked to me about it, Athena and the mythology of Athena. And, And I remember how much I had loved mythology in school, that that was one of the subjects that I had studied, but I hadn't really pursued it. And then he also started talking about astrology. And uh, somehow that connection was made for me there on that trip. That was 1974, September in Athens. And I've been coming back to Athens probably, I don't know, I've probably been there over 20 times now in the mm-hmm. in the intervening years. And the fact that I would actually uh, combine mythology and astrology into mm-hmm. a system, a practical system, you know, to use mm-hmm. in, in counseling and coaching, uh, you know, would have never occurred to me at that time, but that's actually what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was also interested in Jung at the time. I was was going venturing into psychology, but I was really more wanting to um, read Jung and study what Carl Jung and what he had to say and his theories on synchronicity and the mm-hmm. collective unconscious and dreams. All of those were very inspirational pieces for me as well so Mm -hmm. that's kind of the road I traveled and dreams is also an important part of my life because I am a dreamer and Mm -hmm. I've had dreams since I was a child many of them Mm -hmm. prophetic Mm. and I sought answers to them what what do they mean why am I dreaming these things Uh, and so I was obviously um Whenever I traveled around the world, I would always hit the bookstores and the libraries Mm. wherever Mm -hmm. I could and just kind of soak up as much information as possible. Mm. That's wonderful. 
I want to, again, touch back on something that you said originally about, you know, there's so many different ways to do astrology. Um, and, and that, you know, I believe that they're all valid because I think it's a tenable approach that astrology is divination. And if you, t- you touched on Jung and one of the things he said, I think it was in the undiscovered self, that it's very difficult to do science on something like astrology because these individual inspirational moments occur. That's where I come from. But you know, we don't have that much time to talk about this. But w- what is astrology? How, how do you, is it? Do you think it can be a science? Do you think it is more mm-hmm. the place yeah. of... Okay. I have an answer. I have an answer for okay, that. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> Let me just backtrack to what you said about Jung. Okay. He did actually do a study on astrology. He mm-hmm. took married mm-hmm. couples. He mm-hmm. took. Um, a, 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 I don't remember what the size of the sample was, but he did mm-hmm. take a lot of married couples, mm-hmm. and he definitively showed that the son of one was on the moon of the other, right. or in the right. same sign. Right. And so that that constituted a really uh, strong connection for uh, relationship and marriage Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. forth. But I think what you also said is true, you know, that even his kind of psychology, the way he introduced it, um, was was not accepted, you know, by the more scientific practitioners, sure. you know, the, the psychotherapeutic model, for instance, of Freud and all of that. But that's, a, as you say, that's another whole subject. <laughs> right. um, what is astrology? I think what it is, is applied astronomy. Mm. By that, I mean, it is the study of the cycles of the planets, whether you're working with asteroids or fixed stars or planets are all the millions of things out there to look at in the sky they are in a fixed position or they are in an orbiting position that is absolutely scientifically predictable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is no way the moon is not going to be at a certain degree at five o'clock tomorrow Mm -hmm. morning right okay and i mean unless everything in the universe shifts because of a giant cataclysm right. <laughs> we're, we're kind of in a fixed pattern where this mm-hmm. is what we've got mm-hmm. and the zodiac most people don't realize that the zodiac is a ring it's like a giant ring around the sky a big circular ring about this around the sky that inside of which all of the planets in our solar system orbit in a circular path Mm-hmm. or really an elliptical path, but it's called the ecliptic. They all mm-hmm. sit on the ecliptic. And it's these 12 signs are uh, with a portion of a 13th sign, a tiny bit of a 13th sign on the ecliptic um, as well. Um, but it's these 12 signs that we basically use in astrology with where are the planets today. Mm-hmm. So... For instance, right now, as we're speaking, the moon is in, uh, I think it's in Pisces Mm -hmm. right now. Um, But in a couple of days, it will be in Aries. Mm -hmm. And today, the sun is in Sagittarius. And next week, it'll be in, in a couple of weeks, it'll be in Capricorn. So -hmm. these are the, the pictures, the zodiac signs are sort of the pictures behind where the planets are looking from earth so there's a story there 
Mm-hmm. You know, Sagittarius has a story. Capricorn mm-hmm. has a story. They all have little. And so that's part of my um, um, mythic astrology. I wrote two volumes on that with Ken mm-hmm. Johnson, mm-hmm. Um, who himself was um, a mythological studies um, graduate. Um, mm-hmm. at one of the University of California schools. And um, we talked in that book about the correlation between the names of the, the names that were ascribed to the signs and the planets and the asteroids by the Gre- Greco-Roman gods or energies and how they're interpreted today and why they're interpreted that way. Mm-hmm. Because that was an early question for me. Why does Saturn... Why is Saturn looked at this way and why is Jupiter looked at mm. that way and why are they so polarized in nature? Mm. Mm. So this is wonderful and it takes us to our next question, which I think it might have been Charles Jane who said this, or um, but basically you have to understand the astronomy to understand the, the, the sort of symbolism of the astronomy to understand astrology and that this takes us to why we're here today although i wish we could (laughs) maybe we'll have to do another one but to talk about everything else that you're talking about but the venus star point um could you talk about the astronomical phenomenon that is the venus star point and what that means astrologically because venus is said to be at this star point you're talking about is said to be kazemi or in the heart of the sun so could you tell our listeners what's happening astronomically and then how you've been able to interpret and observe this phenomena astrologically yes i'd be happy to that's the biggest question and for me the biggest question was where how do i take the venus star First of all, Venus orbits in a five-pointed star, but mm-hmm. it's an it's a dance with the Earth. It's Venus and the Earth together in their in their um, revolution around the Sun that actually creates this five-pointed star. So it's not Venus acting alone. Mm-hmm. So every time, every nine months or so, a little over nine months, there is a conjunction of Venus and the Sun. We our last one was in August of 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was in Leo. Mm-hmm. And when Venus or any planet, really for that matter, goes conjunct with the sun and, you know, by degree, minute and second, well, like it's absolutely as tight as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, the Arabic astrologers had a term for this and it was called Kazimi. Mm-hmm. And so when the planet is Kazimi, it's said to be in the heart of the sun and it's radiating all of mm. the energy that is possible for that planet at that time. You could also think of it as the kiss of the sun to mm-hmm. Venus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been referred to that way as well. And so this position happens five times in eight years, and it creates an almost perfect five-pointed star when you dot the lines, when you when you connect the dots of mm-hmm. where these Kazemis happen in the zodiac and you trace it around a circle, you will find that if you connect it all, it's the five-pointed star or pentagram of Venus. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. all the planets make some kind of a beautiful pattern with mm-hmm. the Earth or with each other, but none of them make this particular pattern. And the five-pointed star 
the Venus Earth relationship is 1.6, and 1.6 is known as phi, PHI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the symbol, phi is the symbol for harmony, the golden mean, the golden mm-hmm. section, mm-hmm. Um, the nautilus shell, the nautilus spiral shell is is that perfect spiral. Mm-hmm. That's the 1.6 that we um, that we're so attracted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci worked with it a lot and made it really. Um, uh, he he connected it to the Vitruvian man, which is the five pointed human body with the arms extended and and the feet um, about a foot or two part apart you know that image i'm speaking mm, of yes the human yes and it's 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 a symbol really it's been taken up as a symbol of like holistic health or good mm-hmm. health mm-hmm. Um, and that is the star we are human representations of the venus star because we have the five senses at the head and we have Mm. um, five fingers at the end of each arm and five toes at the end of each leg. And we are the five pointed Venus star um, being earth, earth, Venus star being because every nine months, it's about also the principle of attraction, magnetism, Mm. uh, connection, fertility, conception, and then finally birth. And because it's a fractal, it keeps going on and on. Right. And that that's a point perhaps uh, we could tell the listeners, but and people might know this, but you know the the golden mean, it, this is really the the proportion that just replicates and replicates. and especially in nature. I mean, it's and even, I've read there's a, a famous book, The Black Swan by Nassim Taleb, and he talks about, Actually, for forecasting, sometimes the golden section can actually be much more profound than sort of traditional statistical methods where we'd like to sort of draw maybe hard lines, you know, but actually, you know, these types of things, because they're so tied to nature and even, as you say, beauty and art, um, and even, you know, ourselves, our bodies, because it's natural, it actually can give us greater insights into things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which it's is incredible. Yeah. We love sitting in gardens or by mm. the ocean mm-hmm. or in a forest or mm-hmm. near a river mm-hmm. because it's all in phi. Nature actually operates in this phi mm-hmm. ratio. It grows, forests grow in it, and rivers flow in it. Mm-hmm. And we feel that sense of harmony whenever we're a little bit stressed out or we've spent too much time at the computer or mm-hmm. um, just you know, in, in a stressful situation, the, the, the biggest remedy for that is to go out in nature and to feel uh, uh, the harmony and beauty of that phi ratio that's happening all around us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think Venus, I'm, you know, it's always interesting to me I, in all the work I've done with astrology over the years is to give a big shout of recognition to the ancients for recognizing things about the planets and identifying things about the planets way before science came Mm. through and confirmed what they already have said. Mm. So this is another instance of that that excited me greatly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
that Venus is about harmony and beauty and mm-hmm. and the feminine. You know, we say the feminine, but perfect design, perfect harmony, the the attraction principle, love. Um, yeah, but it's not about it's not so much about the love that we we interpret from uh, the way we we use the word today is kind of loose and. You know, I love this. I love that. Oh, I love coffee. You know, whatever. (laughs) It's this is a much greater principle of love. Mm -hmm. Principle, I think, that keeps the world, the earth turning. Mm, Wow. Yeah, right. A couple things. So, let's, if we can, two things. How does the Venus star point? How have you seen it play out in people's lives? Actually, three things. So how, how does it play out in people's lives? Also, the Venus star point cycle that we're in now, which is, as you said, Leo. And also, you know, let's get into how can people find their Venus star point? Because people, even, you know, more lay people, they're going to, they can really use the Venus star point quite, you know, get into it quite quickly. So, you know, well, actually, let's do that first. Where can people find their Venus star point? Okay, so there is a website called sophiavenus.com. That's my website. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, a link on there to finding your Venus star point. Just click mm-hmm. the Venus star point on the t- menu on the top. And then the first thing you'll find is how do I find my Venus star point? Mm-hmm. But Dan, I think I sent you that link, that link to right. the PDF. So right. if you have... Um, I don't know with this podcast if you have a place to put links on it or something. Sure. When this when this goes up, I'll make sure to put it on my website. And then also the, the you, you can get the book too, sophiavenus.com/books. And I have you can get it on Kindle too. I use it on Kindle. Right. And all right. my books are um well, not all the books that I've written, but three of them have just been re-released this year. And, oh, um, wonderful. Two volumes of Mythic Astrology are back mm. in print again. Mm. And I'm ha- happy to say that Venus Star Rising sold out of its first uh, edition, its first oh. printing completely, and it's now in its second printing. Well, congratulations. I didn't know that. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was, yeah, uh, that was kind of, that was kind of nice for me to realize that, uh, you know, the books are still out, you know, even though some of them have been written quite a while back, they're still out there. <laughs> right. Okay. So how does, how have you seen Venus, the Venus star point play out in people's lives? Well, I wouldn't have even spent seven years writing this book and doing the research on it if I didn't see immediately uh, in my own client work and my own personal work with charts that it was working and that it was playing out in people's lives. Mm. Even my own example was when I found out where it was in my chart, I, I had such a deep uh, kind of response to it like such a visceral response, mm. like, oh, this is so true. This is, this is how, you know, this is what my life, the thing, you know, because sometimes mm-hmm. we're looking for a certain thing in our life and we don't seem to have it. But mm-hmm. then 
you realize, but this is what I do have in my life. This is mm. the gift I have been given. And I recognize that I've been given this gift. And the, Ves the Venus star point showed me exactly what it had given me and how it was operating for me. But even after that, of course, I did research on lots and lots of people to see how is it operating in their lives. And in the, um, in the print version of the book, Venus Star Rising, there's a lot more information there in charts and graphs of the astronomy mm. and people's okay. charts and all of that. But one of the examples I use in the celebrity world is Oprah Winfrey. Ah, uh, yes, because she has, right, and it's, I think it's in her second house, correct? It's, well, that's or, I'm sorry, or, sorry, that, that's her, her right, fifth, sorry, sorry. Fifth house, it's actually her fifth house of stage. Okay, okay. Um, and, and, you know, the, the media, stage and the public eye, being in the public right. eye, all right. that, um, the entertainment field, or mm -hmm. um, in her case, the everything field because I've called her the queen of the airwaves. She's mm -hmm. a multimedia <laughs> personality and she's mm -hmm. an entrepreneur and she's very successful and, uh, and, you know, very much a, a human rights supporter and um, all kinds of things. Um, but her, she was born on the day of that Kazemi. Right. Aquarius. Right. And so it means the sun and Venus and the Venus star point are all lined up in mm -hmm. a row they're all like on the same degree mm -hmm. and they're in Aquarius and Aquarius is a sign that we associate with the airwaves with mm -hmm. networking with like um the media mm -hmm. publicity um the this whole electronic world that we're part of now this whole digital thing mm -hmm. that we're part of you know this is all about this is and we say we're going into the Aquarian age mm -hmm. um we're not quite there yet but we're getting a preview of that in the 2020s mm -hmm. um, with so many planets moving into the air signs. But right now we're mm -hmm. still in the earth. We're still slogging through the earth. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so Oprah's one example of, of just extreme connection in terms mm -hmm. of how did this person who was born in a very, um, she didn't have any advantage as a child. Mm -hmm. She she wasn't really given, um, you know, economic advantage or any kind of other advantage. Um, being in a small town, being a woman, being black, and look at where she has come. Mm -hmm. And I don't say she didn't get some help along the way, but boy, she climbed there by her own bootstraps and the factor of the star factor was the star point factor what I call the star factor um, was was really with her with with that lineup of, of Aquarius uh, and the Venus mm. star That's yeah and it's interesting oh, yeah you know, it's interesting, too, I'm thinking about it now. She is quite Aquarian in a way. I mean, really the visionary, very individualistic, very unique. I mean, she's very, you know, really stands out in that in an Aquarian sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. long-term partnership and has chosen not to get married. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and sort of, I, I think I remember, it's just interesting to just in the moment it comes up because I hadn't, 
you know, I think I knew that it was, uh, but um, she, I think she said, you know, I don't think our relationship, this was a Stebman, it wouldn't have lasted as long if we didn't, if we had gotten married. So she, she really kind of goes her own way. And even with, uh, I guess, her friendship with Gail, I mean, they've had sort of a unique relationship. So nice. she's always kind of going her own way. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a run of the mill life, certainly. Well, I agree with her. I am totally with her on that. I've been yeah. saying for 20 years or more that this, the, the state of marriage, the way it's practiced now, is almost surely going to lead to divorce because um, of it's, it's following archaic principles um, mm. and it's not meeting people's needs where we are today. Um, and so I think the way that she's showing us a different model, and I think mm. it's it's actually really, really good. I mean, it works for her. And, of course, yeah. you have to go with what works for you. There are reasons to get married, for instance, having children and raising them and so forth. But then there are other reasons that to not to get married, but to sure. just stay connected. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an individual choice, but um, she is showing us with her Venus in Aquarius and her Venus mm -hmm. star point in Aquarius what that looks like, what an Aquarian right. relationship looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know this, this is I want to we could talk for hours and hours, but I want to get back to sort of again, you know, when people get the book. I was reading through your book and you said it's not just the Venus star point, but there are star mates. So it's you have your Venus star point, but then the star, you can draw it over your chart. So does it start with your Venus star point and then you draw to the other points of the Venus star point that are the next ones? It's Is that how you do it? No, your star point is actually on your head in the middle. And okay. the two before your star point are the ones feeding you an arm and a leg that are feeding okay. you. Okay. Okay. And the two after your star point are the ones you're feeding because that puts you right in the center of the Venus star when you were born. What okay. came before? And it's almost like you can read it as an evolutionary uh, mm. type of astrology, okay. although different from the evolutionary astrology that's that's in practice today. And so I hesitated mm -hmm. to name it that. Um, but. I, but it, it is working like that from the point of view of you're being fed by the two points are, let's say, um, receiving from the past. This, mm. is, this is in your past and what you're receiving from. And then the two before you are what you're, the principles you're feeding to and creating mm. as you evolve. Okay. Okay, so, so and just, okay. on those arms and legs are also other people's star points. So mm. then it's like, how do you, who are you attracting, and are they on your feeding? Are they on the hand that you're feeding, or are they on your the foundational foot that's feeding you and supporting wow. you? So there's also a way to look at all the different relationships in your life. And that that we could actually take that back to what you were referencing before the Da Vinci, the famous, um, you know, his the famous painting of the human body or, you know, the um, the five pointed the Vitruvian man. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, that's so this that's good to clarify. So so people understand. So you 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 have your Venus star point, um, which is the the Venus star point prior to your birth, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then to get this the the star mates, you want to go the two before that, and then the two after it. Right. Okay. Okay. And then I think you had said in the book the only exception is if you're if the the Venus star point is like a week after you're born, then you would be the one after. Yes, and I I always look at that kind of closely because if the Sun and Venus are already in that next sign, mm-hmm. that means that the Venus star point I would put it there because mm-hmm. they're already there. You know, mm-hmm. it like it, it happens at certain times where Sun and Venus will already be in that next sign mm-hmm. um, before the actual Venus star point occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when Venus is about to go retrograde because mm-hmm. she she gets so far ahead of the sun um, that retrograde is a phenomenon from Earth. But mm-hmm. again, every five Venus retrogrades makes this star point. And the reason I use this Kazemi rather than, you know, I could have, you could chart any five points of, of, of an Earth-Venus cycle as long as you're keeping mm-hmm. them the same points and you'll mm-hmm. still get that five-pointed star. You mm-hmm. can chart it from the moment it goes retrograde. You can chart it from the moment it goes direct. But the point right in the middle is the Kazemi, the kiss. Mm-hmm. And because that's so vibrant, I, I felt like it's it's a shot. It's a laser beam of light and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and mm-hmm. love that that comes right into the body or earth um, of, of ourselves, um, you know, when we are either just before our birth, when we're when we're still in the womb and everything is being uh, everything is being created and mm-hmm. being put together our, our parts are all being put together mm-hmm. and um, and then that's what we come out with it's what we are born with um, there are a lot of examples it's of course it's a lot easier to show this in visual form like in a webinar or something I've got lots mm-hmm. of webinars up there. Mm-hmm out there on YouTube. I've got Mm -hmm. some diagrams and things. So if your listeners, and I'm not sure how much your listeners, are they sort of beginning astrologers or middle or? Well, that's, you know, I think with this podcast, I try it's because, you know, there, I think it was, I forget which the study it was, but there, it's something like 25% of people in some sense believe in astrology and then even way more read some sort of horoscope on a basic level. So my goal with this podcast is to reach a lot of those people and to try as much as we're able to to talk about these things in, in plain common parlance. So, you know, I, I would take, for example, the Venus star point. It's it's you know, it's reaching a fairly wide audience in the astrological community, but it can still reach more. So trying to give sort of the more advanced re- intermediate astrologers some, you know, um, you know, a path to explore that. But also, you know, like take, for example, with this, 
you know, podcast, this episode, trying to give people, okay, look, you can get the Venus Star Point book. You can look up your birth date, um, your which Venus Star Point you fall under, and you can start reading that. So I, I try as best as I can to straddle a wide audience. So to speak to the more intermediate or advanced people, but also people who are just like, hey, okay, I get it. I, I kind of know the golden section. You know, I know that this, okay, if I look this up, wow, you know, okay, Venus star point. And that, that takes me to the next point, which is Venus star point differs from Venus. So as you're saying, it's more of a radiating internal loving expression as opposed to this outer kind of object of beauty or object of affection, correct? Yes, that's exactly right, Daniel. Mm -hmm. I think of the natal Venus as something we look for outside of ourselves, mm -hmm. and the Venus star point is something that we already have. We've been given it. We're full of it. We we have so much of it, we don't even know what to do with it half the time, or or most people are using it too much rather than not enough. Oh, that's it's interesting. A, it's that's such a vibrant principle. Mm -hmm. Now, occasionally there are people that aren't using it at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this, of course, I always wonder about. But then when I talk further to them, they're not really feeling like they have found what they're here for. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm. Um, so that you know they're still searching for a lot of a lot of clues as to mm -hmm. their the meaning for their life and mm -hmm. so i try to point to them mm -hmm. um and of course this is what astrology is so so good at with when people have questions not even about prediction or mm. is this going to happen or mm -hmm. is that going to happen the way i came into astrology was not really wanting to have answers like that necessarily, but to find to have it confirm for me what I already knew about myself and to describe me and to give me the okay to be the way I am because that's where the planets were and that's what I was tuning into. Mm -hmm. um, and so to kind of follow the path that I knew was there already laid out for me Mm. Now, that doesn't take away the free will and the choice that I have to go or not to go in a certain direction, but it certainly clarified for me a lot of questions that I had and uh, confirmed mm -hmm. for me things about myself that I knew. So I think that the Venus star point works at that level and even deeper in terms of what is your passion, what does drive you um i feel like it's like your helmsman mm -hmm. at the um guiding steering your your course through life and mm -hmm. giving sort of um the meaning to life because it's what really makes you feel alive <laughs> mm. so what if you're open to it what you said that the venus star point touched in this almost primordial place with you you're like wow what what was that place that it lit up for you within your own life it lit up the fact that i've always been somebody who goes my own way my mm. venus star point mm. is in aries and I haven't mm. gone the way of everybody else. It's also in my first house. And it's also mm. in my north node. Mm. Um, and so it's it's defined for me 
the fact that I've been an adventure seeker all my life, an explorer, a traveler, I'm not afraid to go to certain countries and travel by myself and do a lot of things, just do things that go into areas that nobody before me, at least in my family, when I was, and my peers when I was young, um, go in a direction that none of them had ever gone. And mm -hmm. um, also that people used to say to me, I'm so inspired by you. I, mm. I wish I could do that. I, how do you do that? Um, well, you, I can't teach you how to do it. It has to be in you to do, mm. you know? So, um, and Aries, the Aries star point people tend to be, um, they tend to be looking for, uh, you know, they want to live life at a very, in a very full way. Mm -hmm. um, they they just want to take a big bite out of life <laughs> right <laughs> you know that that's so interesting and you know to to buttress what you're saying i mean to my knowledge nobody else is really doing this work with the venus star point i mean you've pioneered this area of astrology correct well and that's the other thing the pioneering and yeah you know there's a few systems I put together in astrology that I consider were pioneering by mm -hmm. combining different things like what you mentioned before, for instance, geodetics um, with astrocartography mm -hmm. and Sabian symbols and working with different, you know, kind of um, not so obvious parts of the traditional astrology um, but but little aspects of it and, you know, putting synthesizing and putting them together in ways that are and the mythic, you know, reading from uh, reading dreams and, and so forth from the chart and from the mm -hmm. mythic um, mm -hmm. aspects of the chart. Mm -hmm. But the um, but the Venus star point was clearly, obviously, clearly a groundbreaker and and um, um, just a shattering very complex system that just downloaded into my brain like instantly and then it took mm -hmm. seven years to map it out and write it out and make it understandable <laughs> mm. wonderful um and so people like i was mentioning before people can get the book and start for themselves but you also have certified venus star point practitioners you know obviously people can get in touch with you to go more deeply with this for themselves but there are other people around who do venus star point work correct yes exactly and if you go to my website sophiavenus.com and sign up for the newsletter Mm -hmm. You'll see that I've had a monthly blog and a monthly podcast on Venus mm -hmm. um, all year long. And, you know, it's called First Friday with Venus. And mm. we talk about we track Venus each month where it's going to be. And uh, this next one will go out this coming Friday, which will mm -hmm. be the first Friday for December. Okay. And right now we have Venus in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And a lot of other planets are in Capricorn. So this month's podcast is really about that. But the person that interviews me on the podcast is a certified Venus uh, teacher. Okay. She took the course. Uh, her name is Catherine. And she's been interviewing me every month on this Venus and tracking Venus. Where is Venus right now? And, you know, and my take on it, different than most people's monthly astrological forecast, is I just use pretty much Venus to say, 
to, to look at, well, what do we love? What do we mm. really enjoy? What do we mm -hmm. take pleasure from? Because there's mm -hmm. enough of the other stuff going on right now where we all know where, oh, watch out for this. This is going to happen. This could be right. heavy. Right. And we all know that's happening on a daily basis. But where can we take a little bit of Venus mm. into our lives during the month and say, okay, um, this is... Uh, this is where she's pointing us in this direction now. Okay. You know, and this is, I want to get to, again, as much as at the time of this recording, but it's going to go through up until June. Cause that's, it, we have the Venus star point in Leo and then and it shifts to Gemini, correct? Right. Exactly. Okay. So this isn't, I was looking this up and the, one of the fixed stars, I think that um, the, it'll be, it's Venus, Obviously, Sun, Venus, and then this fixed star. Um, I, I really, I hope I, Ross El Asad Borealis. And this is one, I was looking at one source. It can be of the nature of Saturn and Mars. It can give artistic power and expression, which is very Leo, but it can be bold, bombastic, brutish. <laughs> so that you get sort of, the, the, the star gets involved with that as well, along with being in just generally in Leo. So I found that interesting. It's, um, you know, coming down the pike, it's very Leo energy, and then it's going to shift into Gemini. Um, so that that's. So you're saying that star, Ross, because I don't follow the fixed stars. Ross Hag, um, Ross Hag, what uh, what did you call it? I don't think it's it's not Ross. It's it's um, Ross Elisad Borealis is, is Ross the way Elisad I'm getting. Ross Borealis. That was with the Leo star at 21. Yes. Leo? Yes. Okay. Well, look at what's happening in our country right now and even the world. The bombastic nature that you expressed about Leo, mm -hmm. about that star and about the Leo star point, mm -hmm. um, is that many of our world leaders, our own country included and especially, um, are acting uh, in that manner and aren't necessarily acting um with um, a great deal of humility and concern for the people um, of, of the country. <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting, that's true, but then there's the other, as you've talked, you were talking about earlier, well, but then there's Venus and there's artistic appreciation and power of expression. So that, that goes on as well um, in certain right. facets. So that it's, it's really, you know, like anything it's, well, I guess that's, that's something we could get into next. So there's, so Venus, you know, I think you touched on this before, but the Venus star point, it has the sort of light side to it, but then the shadow side to it as well. Yeah, there's always a shadow to everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can't, you know, people people ask this all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, is this good or is it bad? Well, mm -hmm. you know, that's... <laughs> Not a question that you can easily answer because basically, yes, everything has a shadow mm -hmm. and um, it's best to be aware of the shadow. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, the Leo, the Leo, the light and bright side of the Leo star right now is inspiring us all to get creative with our life and do something mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. way to maybe delve into the arts or, you know, do something in a performance way or mm -hmm. you know just kind of get active in, mm -hmm. a, in a way that kind of um brings us that 
um, it's, you know, it's the sun and Venus in Leo. Mm -hmm. It's like the sun-Venus conjunction. So mm -hmm. um, it's saying, um, it's saying fall in love. It's saying, um, <laughs> you know, it's all of those things. But mm -hmm. um, because Leo rules the heart as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, the other thing about it is the shadow side of Leo, of course, is, um, you know, a very strong egoic principle mm -hmm. that um blocks everything and everybody else out and only mm -hmm. sees its own you know only sees its own image it, you know it's interesting to think about how that's um played out in my own life recently because i right around that time i started writing for a magazine here in the gulf south and i started writing astrology for them and it was this sort of binary of my own self-expression and doing that writing. But there was a little bit on my part of like, hey, like I'm, you know, I could really do this astrology for this region and nobody else is doing it. So there was a little bit of, I was kind of bold about it. And then I've also been getting back, I have a musical background. So I'm getting into doing some singing and I'm gonna, you know, during the holidays, do some excerpts from Handel's Messiah. So it's all, and then interestingly, that'll be in church, which the, wow. the yeah, the Leo hits my ninth house. Um, and then the other, I, there's um, also we should talk about the the difference between the Venus morning star and evening star, and then how that differentiates. Could you talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, since you are based in New Orleans, I, I did <laughs> want to say to uh, I've done seminars and webinars for um, a lot of people in a lot of places. But never New Orleans. So this is I, yeah, <laughs> it's it's so interesting because just briefly, it is an extraordinarily divinatory and spiritual city, of course. But there's not a ton of astrology here. Um, it's mm -hmm. much it's much more, you know, just straight up psychic tarot. I mean, I do some tarot myself, but um, ta you know, voodoo, tarot, psychic. You know, it's mainly what it's, it's it is in full force. I mean, you, you I'm not sure there's anywhere in the world <laughs> where you can just walk down the street and there are tarot readers all up and down the street. I mean, I don't <laughs> I'm not sure that exists anywhere else. But um, right. Yeah. I was in New Orleans in 1989 for an astrological conference and mm -hmm. I was walking down the street one evening and I felt that I mm. felt that. And I also felt like there was a whole population of, I guess I'd have to say spirits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That were walking down the street. Yes. Too, that were sitting in the cafes that mm -hmm. were everywhere. I felt like there were the living and the non-living interacting and mingling in a way that I've never felt anywhere else before. <laughs> Well, that's right. I mean, because it's, you know, there was, um, a, a, he's a psychoanalyst, but he wrote an essay called The Subconscious of New Orleans. And it, he talks about New Orleans being um, as above, so below, which in astrology, we talk about, you know, obviously the heavens and then what is going on in the heavens being reflected here on earth. But he talks about in New Orleans, it actually, <laughs> meaning as above is on the earth so below it's basically the underworld coming up and i mean even to the extent all of the mausoleums everywhere around the city i mean the the underworld is essentially raised here so mm -hmm. i mean it's, mm -hmm. yeah it's there's really almost there's so i don't know many places in the world that really have that 
Um, Maybe so, yeah. there's a portal there to Middle Earth. <laughs> Probably, I know. Uh, sorry, so let, let's get back on it because we're running short on time. But again, the difference between you know the Venus star point, the um, you know the the morning star and the evening star. Yes. Okay. So the morning star is a product of the inferior conjunction of Venus and the Sun. When the Venus is closest to the Earth, when she's in retrograde motion and she has most influence on Earth. And after that conjunction, she appears about anywhere from five to six days after it as the morning star. And then she stays visible as a morning star for about 260 days in the sky. Then she disappears behind the sun again. And when she comes out, she's an evening star. Mm -hmm. And that's after the superior conjunction of Venus and the sun, where she's on the far side of the sun. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a dual nature for Venus, and the ancients knew this. They had an interpretation for morning star Venuses and evening star Venuses. And the morning star Venus was called the warrior goddess, mm -hmm. and the evening star Venus was called the love goddess. Mm -hmm. And more to the point of the warrior um, being more a carpe diem type energy mm. closer to the earth take action get going you know let's let's go not necessarily meaning let's go to battle but she is a stronger kind of venus and um she's more athena like mm -hmm. you know like like the warrior goddess athena okay but also very very smart and strategic and all of that the evening star Venus is the product of the superior conjunction is where she's way up in the clouds, way out on the other side of the sun, far away from Earth. She doesn't have as much of a business and political um, connection or, uh, you know, strategy and war and politics and business and all that like the morning star Venus um, seems to have. But she's more poetic and artistic and creative. She's very relationship-oriented. Mm. Um, and she's um, in a more of a spiritual realm, you could call it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they are, if you wanted to break it down to a simple uh, kind of uh, keyword, the morning stars are more practical and the mm -hmm. evening stars are more idealistic. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. And you talked about the, the evening star, I think, in your book being really related to Urania, correct? Yes, Venus Urania. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you have the, this idea of, you know, the heavenly realm and then the earthly realm. Now, this I, this is interesting. I, I do just for fun. I want to bring my person. I'm a Virgo Venus star point. I was born in 1983, which I think was the last Virgo Venus star point. Correct? Yes. And was. that that. Yeah, and that, and that, mm -hmm. that, that was the morning star, I believe. Um, 1983 was uh, one degree Virgo morning star, yeah. Now, this is, this is what's interesting, because I've really been diving somewhat into all the stuff you've brought, uh, you know, brought forth. The asteroid Urania, I think, was within like a degree or two of that. So that, I find that so interesting. It's almost like earthly and heavenly in a way i mean it's not technically the evening star but urania the asteroid was there <laughs> so well but daniel 
then that's so amazing because the asteroid Urania is totally connected to the study of the stars. Right, right. And then you being in Virgo, it, one of the um, things in my life is how and I was reading through again my own Virgo star point. It's like, how do you sort of not be a workaholic or it's like a working vacation, but really loving how you can serve and work and that that being a theme, which has been a struggle of mine in my life. Like, how do I not burn the midnight oil, but really, you know, have a lot of things going on, but make sure that there's still the Venusian quality to it and staying grounded, but still with my head in the clouds. So I found... Yeah, I found I that so. Virgo's yeah. star points. I think their gift is that they do get work that they love. Mm-hmm. You know, they do. Mm-hmm. They do go into. They either it either comes to them, or they're just magnetized to something that makes them feel um, good and and know that they that they really. So you do love your work, but that's not to say that you need to be a workaholic. Right. Um, it's it's the balance, you know, like I said, most of us overdo our Venus star point mm-hmm. and <laughs> sometimes we need to dial it back and just mm-hmm. say, OK, I can do this, but I don't I don't have to do it to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, we're, we're, we're starting to get, you know, winding down. But I also you talked about a lot of the ancient cultures and there was a wonderful article in the Mountain Astrologer this past summer June July and Bruce Schofield who you know he does a lot of research into some of the Mesoamerican forms of astrology he wrote this whole article about Montezuma and basically some of the astrologers being aware of these Venus cycles and he talks about at that time they did interpret it much more in the sense of this is going to be really bad or really good and there was you know some of these conjunctions there was an inferior conjunction that you know the peoples were regarding as a dangerous time and some of the astrologers kind of knew this might have been coming but they were lying to you know we recall the story of montezuma um and you know the fall of that civilization and then also at that time similar to our times now the saturn pluto conjunction so i find this so fascinating that we have similar cycles happening now which is you know some of the venus cycles that you're describing but also the saturn pluto conjunction so Mm -hmm. i wonder if you could talk about that a little bit like you know cortez he talks about being essentially based really in the harsh realities of saturn and the power of pluto and as contrasting with maybe Montezuma and some of the astrologers trying to figure out what the omens were, but being so tied to that, you know, that they weren't able to sort of handle it in a more realistic way. But if you have any maybe insights about how that might be paralleling what's going on in the world today. Well, I think for the Mayan, Maya, they erected a a lot of temples to Venus for one thing Mm -hmm. Um, I I had visited some of those temples and they kept meticulous records of uh, Venus orbits orbital cycles the pentagram they called it the five seasonal risings of Venus Um, um, I think it's uh, is it Ushmal I think it's Ushmal Mm -hmm. that's one of one of those temples and it had library full of documents you know scrolls the dresden codex actually Mm. is all the scrolls on venus and Mm. there there were more on venus and uh along with the sun and moon than any other planet so they were particularly 
um, tracking that. They also talked about the Hero Twins, which I think is the Gemini trans mm -hmm. Venus that we've mm. had alternating in our civilizations for thousands of years uh, between Gemini and um, Sagittarius right now. Mm. Um, the uh, most recent one was 2012, which was the date of the apparent end of the Mayan calendar. Oh my uh, gosh. And that was the year of the Venus transit as well. I wrote a lot about that because the Venus uh, star rising came out in 2011. Mm. So we were all anticipating 2012 and what that was going to be like. But um, we have had, um, but I think there is um, a very big change in our civilization going on at this time, you know, that may have started around then that um, with that we're we're going to be taking into the next couple of decades. You mentioned you were at the end of the Virgo star cycle, born in 1983. Mm -hmm. Well, the 80s was the last big changeover of two stars, ending in two new stars beginning. We're going to have a similar changeover in the late 2020s and into the late 2030s. So we're going to have the end of um, two stars that are uh, two star points that are ruled by Mars going into two new star points that are associated with Venus. Mm. So for me, and, you know, I really am banking on this and hoping it to be true that the war on the, that the, the war culture that has been so prevalent on our planet now um, for this last almost hundred years that mm -hmm. uh, that the Venus star points have been in Mars signs uh, will be coming to a, a termination point, a point where people on the Earth say, um, we're tired of war and we don't have the resources for it and we're not interested in it anymore. And it's it's off the charts now. Right. And then to this, the it moves into, I think, Libra, correct? Yeah. So the, yes. first, the first position it will take will be it will be terminating Scorpio because it moves backwards through the Zodiac. It will mm -hmm. be going from Scorpio to Libra. And then the next one in the late 30s will be going from Aries to Pisces, mm. which is not ruled by Venus, but she is definitely exalted in Pisces. Mm. Um, and then a little further on in the century, we will have the Gemini star terminate and it will go into Taurus. So at some mm. points on the Venus star and some points at in certain eras, there are three points on the star ruled by Venus and in mm. other eras, there are three points on the star ruled by Mars. Mm. Since the 80s, we have been living with three points on the star ruled by Mars. Mm. And I have seen our world get increasingly more violent mm -hmm. as the years go on. Right. And this this is so interesting because if it, you know, so you're talking about um, Pisces and Libra. So the exaltation of Venus in Pisces. So that, that would be a huge shift generally towards Venus. Yes. Ah. Wow. First Libra, then Pisces, then Taurus. Mm. So there's nobody alive right now that has a Pisces star point or a Libra star point because mm. they haven't been in on the star for almost 150 years. 
Mm. So the way it works is that it stays in a sign for 100 years and then it leaves the sign for 150 years mm -hmm. before it will come back again. Those are the larger cycles of, of the very slow moving Venus star, which actually moves like a clock. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this would be better for everybody in a visual representation than yeah, trying to explain I know. it. But um, but that's where we are right now. And I wonder before we we end, if you want me to just give the listeners the five positions that are on the star right now. Absolutely, that's great because I, I do I'm I've been trying through the the um, whole interview to say, hey, this is how this could apply to your life. You know, check out the book. You can you know you can. This is what's happening now. We're in the uh, Venus. Uh, star point Leo and we're going to shift into Gemini come I think it's June but absolutely so tell tell people kind of what's going on now uh, with you know and how they can you know learn about that okay so we're currently in the Leo star as we mm -hmm. mentioned it happened in August um, so it was 21 Leo and if we were using that as our head, if the birth was right now, we would be using that as our head. The two before that were three degrees of Scorpio mm. for the hand and 19 degrees Capricorn for the foot. Mm. And then the next two that we're feeding towards would be 13 degrees Gemini for the hand mm -hmm. and six degrees Aries for the foot. Wow. So if any of those degrees resonate with you or any of your listeners in terms mm -hmm. of where is that really a, putting a punctuation point in your own chart, mm -hmm. that's really important because it's going to light that point up for the next eight years. Wow. I think the the one that pops out the three. I mean, I'm I don't have to ask you what type of orbs you use, but the three degrees Scorpio. I have my natal. Uh, Saturn in Scorpio at zero degrees Scorpio. Okay, uh, then that won't complete. It's moving backwards, so it won't right. complete until 2026. Oh, that's interesting. And then that that's 12th house stuff too, by the way. <laughs> well, so. keep working it, baby. I know. <laughs> no, and it, yes, the 12th house it always gets a bad rap, but it. I was actually. I mean, it can be like a spiritual release in a way, and. Um, you know, I mean, it's funny because in ancient astrology, Saturn was said to find his joy there. So that can be sort of a devilish joy or like, hey, if you let some of these things go, that can be good um, type stuff. But but yeah, no, the, the scorpionic, hey, what's really going on behind the scenes and psychologically motivating things, understand that. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. It's lighting it up. It's lighting up your past, the psychology, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. relationship with your father, the, mm -hmm. the relationship to you and your own authority. Mm -hmm. And um, it's giving a lot of psychological, very juicy uh, <laughs> information to you on on how you know I, well, I would I would think um, and remember every four years the Venus star point in Leo comes back to that point so it's been kind of tracing a path where your 12th house has been repeatedly um, um, activated by this heartbeat this heartbeat energy of venus mm -hmm. um to pull you further into that 
you know, the mysteries, the, the, the psychological mm. process, the unconscious, all of those things. Right. You know, and it's interesting, too, because I've been writing my memoirs and it does get into the depth of some psychological stuff. Um, and then, yeah, no, it's that's really interesting. <laughs> and the, the one, one last it was I went to the Astrological Association conference in England this past summer and Maurice Fernandez gave and this is general 12th house stuff for people. But you can control a lot of the sixth house stuff, your daily life, your routines. But the 12th house stuff, you can't really control. It really is what goes to the collective. So, you know, I find that very interesting. That That's what he talks about as far as the, the um, you know, the oppositional forces between you can control what happens in your daily life. But with stuff in the 12th house, you can't really control it because that goes with the collective. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah. a very good summary. I've heard some of Maurice's um, talks and theories on mm-hmm. it, and I think it's it's really good what he has to say. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I've also identified people that have the Venus star point in the 12th house natally, but this can also be part of the transiting Venus star like it's happening for you is that often they are mystics or they are connected to a mystical process. And, right. Um, and in your case, it's like becoming one, you know, becoming right. attuned to that part of yourself, that part of your nature um, that gives you information on that level. Right. Well, and especially, I, we have to wrap up, but being, especially being here in New Orleans, and I take a real divinatory, even Neptunian approach to astrology. I think it it's hard to do like hard statistical science on, on if impossible to do that on astrology. So I take more of the, the sort of divinatory approach, which is very, you know, fluid and Neptunian kind of 12th house stuff. Um, and I've had to get sort of real about that and disciplined about it and you know, really kind of explore the scorpionic depths of that, what that is. Um, mm-hmm. cause I think a lot of people out there, you know, they try, they want it to be a science cause we live with science. I mean, we live with the light bulb turns on, you know, the plane flies so that I think a lot of people want astrology to be that, but I don't think it is, but mm-hmm. anyways, that's about it. Do you have any last things to say? This is wonderful. <laughs> Well, I thank you for having me on your show. As you said before, um, I'm not really a strong marketing person. I (laughs) I have these books out there, and I rely a lot on people's invitations. And Mm -hmm. by the grace of their lovely invites, I've been all around the world and presenting this stuff. So Mm -hmm. thank you for having me. And uh, I hope, you know, I'm, I'm just really glad to be a part of the venus star universe and be spreading Mm. that that message through the world and um i wish you well in in your continued studies and teachings with this fine art and craft absolutely thank you so much and the website is sophiavenus.com to check out more of what ariel's up to and this is the star love podcast signing out and remember If you love the stars, they'll love you back.